when the phone went off, and it was a, a message, an alert on my phone, it said that it was a message from the United States travel department, if you will, the embassy in the country we were living in at the time. They would send out those updates pretty regularly, telling us, hey, by the way, you live in an unsafe country, be very careful with what you do. They sent those out pretty regularly. Normally the message would come through on the phone and you could go and check an email. So it came through and I was tempted just to go, oh yeah, another warning. But instead, I decided to go and check the email to see what the update was. Well, the update said, we have a credible source that says that there will be a kidnapping of a Westerner in the city of Segu. Many of you are going, well, I don't know where Segu is. Well, it is in the country of Mali, and it was where we were living. And they said that Al-Qaeda was looking to kidnap a Western family or people for ransom. So I went and talked to Heather about it, and the challenging aspect was we were really the only Westerners there. So that was a little unnerving. So I had to make a quick run into town to the bank to get some money, and we packed up as quickly as we could. And I don't know if you've ever had to do that where you had to pack up in about an hour. That's a hard, stressful thing to do. So we're packing up, and, and I drive into town real quick, and everybody that I see, as I'm driving through town, I'm wondering, is that, is that the person? Are they in cahoots? Are they going to jump out in front of my vehicle right now? What's going to happen? And it was a stressful time. Got back home. We loaded up the car quickly. I believe our oldest, Leanna, was around seven at the time. We, had, of course, had Caleb and Naya, and Liam was just about to celebrate his one-year birthday. And we jumped in the car, and we took off for the capital city. And they had a guest house in the capital city that we were able to stay at, and we stayed there for a month or two, and it was terrible. We were hurting physically due to medical issues that needed to be checked out anyway, but we were unsettled and we had no rest and we had no peace. That's actually very similar to our story today in Daniel chapter 2. If you would, follow along silently as I read the text today that we're going to cover. We will not go through all of Daniel chapter 2 because there's a lot in here. And we could be here for four hours if you want, but I think your head would explode and my voice would probably give out anyway. So I want to work through the first section. And many of you are saying, oh, but there's this dream in here and there's this vision and I want to know all about that. Good, come back next week. <laughs> because for the first 24 chapters, we don't see that. And if we skip ahead, to just that part, we're going to miss a lot of good stuff that I think God has for us today. So follow along with me. Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians and the enchanters and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. 
Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time. Verse 7, and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I, sh I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. The Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the, the, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them, seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and he said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation." Last week, we looked at how Daniel and his friends, most likely around the age 15, Caleb, if you'd stand where you are for a moment, looking over this direction, roughly around his age. Thank you, buddy. In 605 BC, the Babylonians came in to Jerusalem 
And a bit of a deal was made with them, and they paid homage to King Nebuchadnezzar. And so, he didn't destroy everybody, but he took the best of the best of the young men from Jerusalem and brought them back. We know that there ended up being three sieges on Jerusalem by the Babylonians. 605 is when Daniel was taken. 597, when Ezekiel was taken. And then 587, when he went in and destroyed the temple completely. Because the king at the time of the Israelites was supposed to go along with whatever the king wanted, King Nebuchadnezzar, and he decided to try to gang up with some others from Egypt to try to overthrow the Babylonians. That didn't go well, and now the temple has been destroyed. So as we looked at chapter 1 and how Daniel and his friends came to Babylon, and we saw that they were taken to Shinar, to Babel, that place where the tower was built, and all the people of the earth said, we're going to make our way to God. We're going to reach God without going through God. We're going to get there on our own back long before. Well, this is the new Babylonian empire still tied to that pride. And they were going to bring Daniel and his friends and they were going to assimilate them into the culture through literature and language and food. But we saw that Daniel and his friends made a stand and said, we will not eat. We will not defile ourselves. We will not bow down and follow you. We worship the Lord our God. And God blessed them, and they were able to remain faithful and then were commended by the king. So I encourage you to look at Daniel's life. I encourage you to look at the the one who is the better Daniel, Jesus, and reminded you that we live in Babylon today. Every time that scripture or that word is used in other places in the Bible, it is referring to the evil empire, the evil city, the evil king who is against our God. So we live in Babylon today. We know that Daniel lived 70 years there, pretty much his whole life. But now we're in chapter 2, and to start off, verse 1, it says, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. So we have a couple options here. We know this is still early in Daniel's life. It's either happening during this chapter one, kind of like inserted in here, like a going back to the story, or it's after that, but if it's the second year, well, Daniel and his friends were there three years under the king's training, so the math doesn't work out there. Well, the other option of trying to make this fit or understand how it fits is there sometimes in scripture are ways of reckoning time. Sometimes you can go with the Babylonian calendar or the Jewish calendar, and so either this is happening back in chapter one Or this is a reckoning from the Jewish calendar where they have, in their one year, multiple years, multiple New Year celebrations. We don't know which one it is, but something like that. But here's the point. It's early in Daniel's time. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. Probably the same dream over and over again. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Verse 2. Then the king commanded that the magicians and enchanters and sorcerers and the Chaldeans be brought, summoned to tell the king his dream. This is not uncommon. This would have been happened all the time in the ancient world. You have dreams, and they would have been looked at as something important. What is going on? What can we discern from these dreams? So he's going to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans. Another word there would be your astrologers. And side note, that's pagan, so we don't do it. We don't go look at your, the astrology and find out, oh, well, I'm a Scorpio, so this means I'm going to have a good day. No, that's evil. It's pagan. It's sin. You don't do it. We, don't, we trust the Lord. But 
It comes from the Chaldeans here. Chaldeans, enchanters, sorcerers, some men come tell me my dream. So they came in and they stood before the king and they're ready to go. Verse three, and the king said to them, all right, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled. It's a bad dream. I need to know the dream. Some wonder, did he forget the dream or is he just testing them? I would lean more that he's just testing them. But he says, tell me my dream. So the Chaldeans first go, well, hey, you tell us the dream, we'll give you, we'll give you the interpretation. Well, that's pretty easy. Any of you could tell me any dream you had last night and I give you the interpretation. Now, whether or not it's right would be a different story. Right here in this verse four is when I told you before the text, the, the early parts were written in Hebrew and then it changes to Aramaic and it goes back to Hebrew in chapter seven of Daniel. Right here is where it changes. Right here where it says, then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic. From this point forward in the original, it's gonna be in Aramaic. Why? I think, we don't know, but I think it's because this whole section from two to seven is really talking more about the nations. That was the common language at the time. So it's referring what's going on with them. Then at the end of chapter seven, it's gonna go back to his people. So then it's gonna go back to Hebrew. I think that's why we don't know. Doesn't tell us, guess what? The Bible doesn't tell you something. Guess what? You don't need to know it. So we don't know. O king, live forever, tell your servants the dream and we will show you the interpretation. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. Wow. I really wish, I'm sure if I was one of the Chaldeans, I would have called in sick that day. <laughs> Although that won't protect you either, as we find out. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. I want both. Come on, guys. You're spiritual. You've got insight. You should be able to do this. Verse 7, they answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we'll show you the interpretation. Let's try this again. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word is from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. Wow. What I want to point out here is he is scared. He's worried. He has anxiety. He's freaking out. And so his trusted wise men, this is how he's treating them. One of the first things I think that we can see in this text today is this guy has everything. He's a king over the, the known land. He has all power, all fame, all money, everything. And you know what he can't get away from? His dreams. It doesn't matter how famous you are, how smart you think you are, how religious you are, how much money you have. There is a darkness that comes in the night, sometimes in our dreams, that we are terrified of. That's for all of us. And here's the thing. When we get scared, when we have anxiety, when we have worry, we don't act too different from him. The people closest to us get it. We treat them unfairly. We ask too much of them. We get angry with them. That's what he's doing here. He is acting out of fear and stress and worry. And so he's asking for something that's not even possible. Sometimes we do this very thing to our loved ones and we ask them to be our functional savior. And that is not their job. 
We go to our loved ones and expect them to do something that they cannot do because we're stressed, because we're worried, because we have this anxiety, and we don't know what to do, and so we lash out. And that's what he's doing. If you tell me the interpretation, then I know you can tell me the dream. You're conspiring against me. Trust goes out the door. You ever have that when you're stressed and uh, people who love you, they're trying to help you, they're trying to be there, and all of a sudden you don't trust anybody anymore. Same thing with the king. Verse 10, the Chaldeans answer the king and said, King, there's not a man on the earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter of Chaldean. King, you've lost your mind. Nobody ever asked for this. The thing that the king asks is too difficult for no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. We'll get back to that later. So when the king heard no, he said, okay, if, if you can't do it, then that's fine. Just go back home, it, no problem. That's how you guys handle it, right? When you don't get something you want, you're just like, okay, no problem. That's how I handle it. Whenever I don't get what I want, I'm just like, eh, no problem. It's fine. All right, maybe not exactly that, but... Because of this, verse 12, the king was angry and very furious. And he commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. What a move for the kingdom. Kill all the people with the wisdom and insight. Not a great plan. Acting in an absurd way. He's just angry and didn't get what he wanted, so now he's going to murder. We do the same things according to James. When we don't get what we want, we fight, we quarrel with one another. And we murder, James says, one another. We do it in our hearts when we don't get what we want. The king has the power to do it in real life. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel, look at this, Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. Remember how old is he? 17, 18, 19. How many of you go, man, there's a lot of wise 18, 19-year-olds out there. Whoa, praise the Lord for wise 18 and 19-year-olds. Wow. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe the kids today aren't wise at 18. But you guys, when you were 18 or 19, you were wise, right? <laughs> Apparently that's not true either. Then, verse, verse 14, Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. Man, the captain of the king's guard, he has to go kill them all. And I'm sure he's like, I don't know if this is a great plan. The king wants to kill him, but if he doesn't do it, what's going to happen to him? He's going to be killed, so, all right. So then Daniel says this, verse 15, He declared to Arioch, the, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Isn't that a, just a great question? What, 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 why, is he, why, is he, what's, why is this so urgent? Can you imagine? He's kicking in the door. He's coming in with his sword. He's going to kill him. And he's like, hey, what's going on? Why is he so urgent? Oh, well, let me explain it to you. And Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in, look at this, and requested the king appoint him a time that he might show him the interpretation to the king. 
That's gutsy. But what other option did he have? I think here in faith, we see that Daniel knew that God would help him. He knew that his God would help him. And so he says, all right, well, you tell the king, I'll have the interpretation for him, just set a time. He says it in faith, but then, verse 17, then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them, watch this, seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. He says, King, I will make the interpretation. No, someone set a date with him, and then he runs home, and he gets his friends, and he says, we got to pray. Man, what a great insight. 18, 19-year-old kid understands that he needs to go to the God of heaven. And he doesn't need to go alone. He goes and gets his friends, and they pray together. What an insight for us. When it's really going poorly, what do you run to somebody else first for advice? Where do you run? Do you run to the Lord your God in prayer, and do you take others with you? That's what we got to do. You got to grab others and say, it's time to pray. Let's go to the Lord our God. Verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. God answered his prayer. And how, here's how Daniel responds. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. Who owns wisdom and might? God does. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. That's a little insight into the vision that we won't get to today. Friends, you do need to hear this first part though. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Do you know what that means? He's the boss. He's in charge. Stop freaking, about, freaking out about who is in the Oval Office or any other place. Your God is sovereign. He sets up and he brings down when it's time. He will do what he will do. Our job, be faithful. Trust him. All right, Lord. Not sure about this, but you're in control. We're going to pray. Our job is pray. He sets up. He takes down. Even the seasons and the times, they do not change without the Lord making it happen. You see his sovereignty here. You see it throughout the book. He gives wisdom to the wise. Why? Because all wisdom belongs to him. So if you want wisdom, guess what? He has to give it to you. And knowledge to those who have understanding. I love this. He reveals deep and hidden things, even things that are so deep in our hearts that maybe we don't even understand them. But when we go to him and ask for wisdom and understanding, he knows those things and he helps us. And the light dwells with him, right? It has this picture of the darkness where it's scary and, and you don't know what's there, but the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might. And now you have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to them, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Boldness. But he just said right here in verse 24 that God gave him wisdom and might. He gave him the wisdom and he gave him the might. He asked for it and he did it. 
So what are some things, some keys to take away from this passage as you live, as we live in Babylon? What do we learn from this passage? Well, the first is like I said already, we need to have faith like Daniel does in the sovereign Lord. You need to have faith that he is in control. When things go bad, when things get tough, you find out quickly what kind of God you believe in. I don't know about you, but I don't want a wimpy God who can't do stuff. I don't want a God who doesn't know everything. I want a God who knows every single thing and is in control of everything. Yes, we have choices to make, but you need to have faith in the sovereign God. When times get hard, we need to do what Daniel did and pray and bring others along with us to pray. Second key. Third, we need to ask for wisdom from God. Some of you are in various situations. You're trying to figure it out and you haven't even asked the Lord yet for wisdom. Start there. See what he does. I love this. You can flip over in your Bibles to John chapter 1 for this fourth point. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We heard about darkness and light just a few moments ago. But then down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Go back up in our Daniel passage. Do you remember what they said to him? King, you ask for something that can't be done in verse 11. No one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Oh, wait. We have a God who dwells with us. We have a God who dwelt with the people of the Old Testament, if you remember, the pillar that would lead his people around, the tabernacle, the temple where his presence would be. That was down here. Christ himself taking on human flesh and being among us, the flesh. There is a God who does that. They just don't know him. That's why they can't answer the dream or the interpretation. Daniel knows that God. That's why he can. That's why our God is different than every other created God that's out there. Look to the God who dwelt in flesh with us. Look to him for your peace. In your notes, I have a quote here from Augustine or Augustine says this, the heart can never find rest until it, find it finds its rest in God. Nebuchadnezzar had everything except rest because he didn't have God. Some of you, you cannot find rest. Some of you, that might be because you don't know God either. Or you do know him, but you keep going to other places to try to find your rest. Or other people to find your rest. That's the only way we can find true peace, true rest. Let me remind you that if you have been mistreated like Daniel was and the wise men were by Nebuchadnezzar, let me encourage you that that person is probably like Nebuchadnezzar. They don't know God. They're probably stressed, angry, confused. That doesn't make it right, 
But let me encourage you with this. If that's happened to you or is happening to you, your God sees you. Your God knows about it. And he will use it for your good. Go to him. Trust him like Daniel did. The last point I have for you is give thanks to God. How do you survive in Babylon? You're a person who gives thanks all the time. You ever met those people? They just always are just thanking God for all kinds of stuff. You know what? Generally speaking, they're pretty joyful people. For you, if you're someone that just, you're just always negative and discouraged, maybe try giving thanks a little more. That's what he does. Look in the text, verse 23 in particular. In his prayer, he says, to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. He responds immediately to the situation. When God answers his prayer, he responds with thankfulness. It reminded me of a passage in Luke 17. Luke 17, beginning in verse 11. Some of you are familiar with this story about Jesus. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. They weren't allowed to come close. And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, look at this, they were cleansed. All he has to say is just go. That's how powerful he is. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, not one of the Jewish people. Then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. We want to be the 10th guy. We want to be a people who are thankful to our God. As we were in the capital city and things weren't going so well, we were pretty stressed out. And one thing that we knew is that we were actually not in the right place. Spiritually, yes, but physically, we were not in the right place. Never did we consult God and ask him if we should leave the city where the threat happened. We just, with our human eyes and our human understanding, jumped in the car and ran to the capital city. We didn't truly consult God. So we talked together and we prayed, and with our little ones, we called our supervisors at the time and said, we need to leave, we're going back to our city. What? It is better to be in the will of God than to find a safe place. The best place to be, not always the safest, apostles, Jesus, prophets. The best place to be is in the center of God's will. It's not always the safest place. But I promise you this, when you're walking with the will of God, you will have peace no matter what comes. We got in the car and we drove back. And what God showed us during that time is that we were not communing with him to the degree that we needed to. And so we began to read scripture more and pray more and depend on him more and give him thanks. The threat ended up going away and he decided to spare us in that season. He's decided to spare Daniel in that season. Whatever he decides is right and good because he's the sovereign one who reigns.
But I'll tell you this, the center of his will, you will find peace. Daniel and his friends are right there. They had just heard everyone's getting wiped out, and they go, we're going to go talk to our God about that. He was in the center of God's will, and he had peace. The 17 or 18-year-old kid who's been taken from his family and lives and just told he's going to be wiped out has peace. And the king who has everything can't sleep. That's the difference Jesus makes. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we love you because you first loved us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We're thankful, Lord, that you're a God who hears our prayers. Lord, that you love us. Not because we're great, but because you're great. Not because we're righteous, but because Jesus is righteous. And that he's given us his righteousness. Lord, help us to be a people who are thankful as we, as we know that we've been healed. Lord, you've, you've healed us spiritually. You've made us who were dead alive. Lord, help us to remember that and be thankful and come back to you. And rejoice in Jesus' death on the cross. Rejoice in his resurrection on our behalf. Rejoice in the new life. Rejoice in the spirit that you've given us. God, help us to be a people who have peace, who have joy, and who are thankful. Help us to have wisdom and boldness like Daniel had and like our Lord Jesus had and still has. Lord, we're thankful. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.